today on Ag News Daily. We need technologies that can make the industry more environmentally sustainable, more transparent, and most importantly, more economically sustainable or more profitable. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday, November 11th and Veterans Day, Tanner. This episode is brought to you by BASF, helping farmers do the biggest job on earth. I wish we had a veteran that we were going to be chatting with today, but poor planning on our part. Well, yeah, and there's, it always surprises me too, how many listener farmers we have that are veterans. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything that you did and everything that you continue to do to keep things the way they are for us here in the U.S. Yeah, there's a really large population of rural Americans that have served in the in the military in some capacity. I think I report on this probably about every year, but it's something like 20%, Tanner, of rural Americans have served in some sort of military capacity. Yeah, almost some would say one thankless job to another. Yes. But uh, we certainly appreciate all that they've done. We certainly do, Tanner. But let's kick things off here with some news on this Friday morning. Interesting here, but we've gotten word that a collection of seeds is headed to the International Space Station, Tanner. A little bit of fun news for this Friday morning, but the International Space Station has seeds coming from a joint project between the International Atomic Energy Agency and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. They have a have seeds sent to the International Space Station to see how they will grow and see how space conditions like microgravity could help identify new varieties that are able to adapt climate changing conditions. Huh. I was wondering where you were headed as to what the research was geared towards. Uh, you know, there's always talked about population on other planets and needing to feed those individuals. So that is a little bit of a fun piece of news for a Friday. I don't have great news for our friends in Oklahoma and the northern part of Texas because they are under a freeze warning. Of course, we woke up here in central Iowa to below freezing temperatures and at a high today that will not be very much above freezing. But the panhandles, both of Texas and Oklahoma, are under that freeze warning with temperatures that could fall to as low as 19 degrees Fahrenheit. This runs from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Further north, like we were talking about up here in Iowa and Illinois, we've got a chance for some light freezing drizzle and potential snow flurries. So as we talked, a couple of our neighbors to the west had gotten hit with some significant amounts of snow. This won't amount to much, but Delaney, it might be your first snow of the year. I'm not ready for it, Tanner. (laughs) You and me both. But I guess I don't really have much of a choice. So here we go. We'll see how what this weekend brings. In some other industry news, Tanner, we got word that granular has once again been sold. Uh, cloud. This is, of course, the cloud-based software that we've seen lots of customers use. Corteva built originally and now cloud-based farm accounting software startup Traction Ag has acquired granular business from Corteva, they said, to build out their comprehensive grower-focused digital tools, Tanner. Yeah, I saw that article as well. And 
and we have on the Farm for Profit podcast had worked with Granular. We felt like there for the period of time we worked together, they had a, a significant leg up on competition for a value added space in agriculture. So it'd be interesting to see if traction can take off with that software and make something happen. We learned here that fall has nearly created double digit gains in combine sales throughout the month of October. Tractor sales are down according to Alex Gray, but combine sales showed the double digit increase in volume especially for new orders of machines. Of course, we reported on the updated 7R series of John Deere tractors with the 50% larger hydraulic capacity in order to uh, handle more implements. That might boost some more of these tractor sales. But as of right now, Delaney, we are seeing a slowdown finally in the midsize tractor area. That is a category that we reported on earlier this summer that seemed to be really strong across both agriculture and ranching purchases. But now the mid-range, which would be the 150 to 250 horsepower tractor, saw their first quarter of decline in sales. Like I said, while combines taking a lead with the largest increase. High horsepower tractors, pretty much flat compact tractors, saw a slight increase, but uh, it is now interesting to see maybe just everybody has the mid-sized tractors that they need, and we don't need to order anymore, Delaney. That seems unlikely, Tanner, but I guess if that's what the news <laughs> is saying. <laughs> well, Tanner, you know, yesterday we chatted diesel prices on the podcast. We've got a little bit of diesel news here to follow that up. Farm Bureau, American Farm Bureau Federation, is calling on President Biden via a letter to increase domestic diesel production as prices are more than a dollar fifty per gallon higher than this same time last year. Of course, Zippy Duvall was the one spearheading this letter, but asked that on behalf of their nearly 6 million Farm Bureau member families across the country, he is encouraging him to work through this administration to work with the industry and Congress to address these high energy costs, especially diesel prices that are impacting all Americans, not just rural America, Tanner. Yeah, that, uh, that is good to see the groups getting everything put together. But I think it's time to pause for one of our advertisements for today. Absolutely, Tanner. And today we are brought to you by BASF, crop diseases present weeks before it can be seen with the naked eye, which means the wait and see spray approach you've always been using when scouting your fields is waiting too long. But Beltima's fungicide proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility improves yield potential in the absence of disease. Every bushel counts, so make sure you get everything you deserve this season with Veltima fungicide from BASF. Always follow the label instructions. Yes, Delaney, and we continue to get updates coming out of Russia and Ukraine. Of course, Russian forces have withdrawn from Kyrgyzstan, the region west of uh, the Dnipro River. The Russian Defense Ministry said on Friday is one of the biggest setbacks for Moscow since the start of the war. Of course, Ukrainian officials and residents are a little bit nervous about this retraction to see if it is a trap. They don't want Kyrgyzstan to become a point of extreme savage and extreme damage once they repopulate the area. So they're continuing to sweep with extra troops to make sure that they are not being set up into a trap. Ukrainian troops entered from the western edge of the city 
towards the regional capital and residents have begun to flood their central square, of course, cheering and waving their Ukrainian flags. The Kremlin spokesperson insisted that the Kyrgyzstan region, one of the four Ukrainian regions that Moscow claims to have annexed, remains a part of Russia, denying that the retreat that the retreat is humiliating for President Putin. Ukraine has made other significant gains in the South, but this has continued to be a story, Delaney, that we watch to see how it unfolds as Ukrainians start to retake a portion of their country. Yeah, I've seen these headlines too, and that's certainly positive news, Tanner, for the Ukrainian citizens. Yes, it but is. One thing, Tanner, here that we're getting some mixed messaging on is Chinese imports, specifically soy imports, Tanner. We got fresh data that China imported less uh, than desirable import rates for the month of October. They imported about 4.14 metric million metric tons of soybeans, which is a 19% decrease compared to last October's import data. And if we look at 2022 as a whole thus far, their soybean imports are down 7% compared to last year. So is the demand for soy shrinking? USDA is saying not right now. According to the USDA, Chinese consumption of soybeans is expected to jump this year about 10 million metric soybeans compared to the previous year. But like I said, Tanner, we're about 7% behind where they typically are for this year. So where are those extra soybeans going to come from? Well, they're saying that domestic soybean production is expected to increase uh, pretty significantly this year for planted areas of Chinese soybeans. Definitely going to wait and see if that does come to fruition. China certainly doesn't have the world's most fertile soil by any stretch of the imagination, Tanner. But China's soybean supplies are pretty tight right now. So USDA is hopeful that imports will shoot up back soon, especially given the fact that their land is not highly productive. Yeah. So the last piece of news that I have for this morning comes right before Thanksgiving. So the USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service has confirmed additional avian influenza cases in poultry operations. Of course, we reported on the Wright County, Iowa outbreak from November 6th. There was also confirmations for Lee County, Pennsylvania. Another 17,400 birds were determined to be contaminated. Jefferson County, Wisconsin had 180,000. Also, that is now 262 commercial flocks affected by avian influenza in 2022. But the U.S. is faring much better in comparison to France. France has been put on high alert for bird flu. Their ministry is saying the high risk level continues to come as farms are continuing to come down with the avian influenza virus. They are trying to avoid the spread of this disease. Between October 1st and November 8th, they've had 49 outbreaks. So that is certainly going to dry up the price of turkey in France. At least they don't have a Thanksgiving holiday that they are trying to buy turkey for. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, Tanner. But your cost of the turkey purchase this year may be a little more expensive for Thanksgiving 2022. That's correct. It is going to be. And make sure you get them ordered if you don't already have yours. Well, Tanner, final piece of news here. Farmers have 
couple farmers, I should say, have once again filed a class action lawsuit against Syngenta and Corteva, alleging that the companies paid distributors to block competitors from selling less expensive generic pesticides and products to farmers. The FTC and attorney generals from 10 states sued the companies at the end of September, alleging that they run a so-called loyalty program in which distributors only get paid if they limit business with competing manufacturers. And now we've seen one additional lawsuit filed here, Tanner, alleging similar um, similar allegations. Yeah, I hadn't seen that headline. I'm glad that you caught that one. Absolutely. But the last headline I have to catch is the markets here in the overnight today. But before we get to that, Tanner, let's take one more quick look at today's sponsor. HPPD resistant weeds are on the rise and marching toward a field near you. But the cornfield doesn't need to be a battlefield. There's another way to defeat these weeds. Switch tactics with the Verdict herbicide powered by Kicksore herbicide technology. As a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide, it helps break resistance before the battle gets to your field. Help stop HPPD-resistant weeds with Verdict Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions, Tanner. All right, Dylan, let me take a crack at the markets this time. December corn will open up from the overnight to 657.60. The November bean contract is up big change overnight. Looks like we should open more than 22 cents higher to 1453 even. Continuing to look at Chicago wheat, the December contract is at 807 even. That is three cents higher from the overnight. As we look then to the livestock side of things, both contracts for all contracts for cattle are up. December is up a dollar fifty to one fifty three and seven cents. The February live cattle contract one fifty five oh two. Feeder cattle also up just slightly in the overnight, opening the November contract at one seventy eight sixty two. January at one eighty one seventy. As we talked crude. Continuing to monitor that after our conversation yesterday, that is a little bit up in the overnight at 89.19 per barrel. And can't forget about live hogs as they continued to climb in the overnight, uh, opening at 87.20. So there you go. There's your markets on this Friday edition. Delaney, what interview do we get to talk to today? Tanner, today we are talking environmental impact with Craig Stott's Craig Scott of Bion Environmental. Listeners, we're here today with our Friday conversation with Bion Environmental Technologies, joined by Craig Scott, Senior VP of Capital Markets at Bion. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having us, Cassidy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I wanted to have you on particularly for a new facility breaking ground in Indiana. But before we get into that, can you just give us a little bit of your background with Bion and before that? Sure. Um, I came in through the the cap, you know, as, as a capital markets guy, I came in through the investment banking side. I, I ran across Bion actually almost 30 years ago. Um, they were kind of chasing a regulatory model where we just assumed that regulation or incentives would be put in place and, you know, we would build a field of dreams and they would come. Um, that obviously didn't happen, but um, you know, I've I've been with the company. I've raised most of the capital for the last thirty years, and we really feel like we've got kind of a perfect storm coming here between 
you know, regulatory issues, um, compliance issues, you know, environmental problems, and most importantly, consumer demand. And we really feel like it's our turn. And we're really looking forward to these next few months and, and years. Awesome. So I know we had a guest from Bion on a few months ago to talk about a new facility planning to go up in Dalhart. Uh, but this is a little bit different. Going up in near Fair Oaks, Indiana, Gen 3 Tech Facility. Tell us about this and what it is. Well, again, you know, back to my story of, of the fact that we were chasing um, a little bit different model, which was one based on regulation or incentives. Um, when we realized that wasn't going to come through, we essentially pivoted and developed a third generation of technology. And, and that third generation was really predicated on, on maximizing the value of the resources that we recovered. Um, and, and really, you know, it's, it's kind of serendipitous that, that that regulatory model didn't come for us because it, we would not have been forced to develop this third generation technology. And frankly, it is light years better than, than our previous iterations. But essentially what we're doing here is, you know, we've, we've been working on this third generation for several years. Um, we finished up the piloting, um, over, the, you know, about a year ago. And we have those patents filed now, and we are in the process of scaling that up. And that's what we're going to be doing at Fair Oaks. Uh, we're really looking forward to this because, frankly, you know, most people are scared of the engineering challenges of scaling a technology up. We're really looking forward to it because our challenge really was scaling down to a pilot level that didn't cost us $20 million. Um, most of the equipment we use in this platform, in this technology platform, is used at large scale and we don't really anticipate any any fundamental problems in that scale up process uh, we expect that they will we'll be working on you know the construction through december 15th essentially we expect to have it done by then we expect the um the pilot equipment the distillation columns all of the other pieces that go that go in that building will be delivered sometime around mid-january so that by the end of the first quarter we we're able to accomplish what that what that platform is designed to do. And that's to give us the data that we need to design the larger full scale systems. And that, you know, that that those systems will be essentially 10 times larger. Um, so we're at true, you know, commercial engineering scale. But we really need the data to take that next step. We need to know what the resource efficient recovery efficiencies are at this level so that we can take that next step. And I saw in the article detailing about this new facility that it'll also help y'all meet some of the certification requirements needed uh, to become a USDA certified sustainable brand. What are some of those certifications you're working on getting and how did that how does that help buy on as a whole? Well, what our technology is designed to do is produce a sustainable product. At the end of it, you know, we're, we're going to recover resources like renewable energy. We're going to recover some high value fertilizer products in there. But at the end of the day, it's about producing a sustainable meat product. And the USDA PVP program, um, we, we've dealt with that before in our second generation technology. And essentially what we're looking for is validation, third party validation that, e, that USDA will certify that we are in fact removing the amounts of nitrogen and the amounts of phosphorus that we say we are, that we're extracting the amount of methane that we say we are, so that all of these improvements are quantified 
and verified and then certified by USDA. And, and by that, with that USDA certification backing your branding claims, you know, at that point, you can say you've got a truly sustainable brand versus, you know, some of these guys that we feel may be greenwashing to a certain degree. Right. Okay. So, Craig, most of our audience is producers, crop producers, livestock producers. What does this technology mean for them and how is it going to come into play for them in the future? Well, essentially, we're extracting more value from the supply chain. Um, a lot of the you know resources that we're recovering, they're either being wasted or they're being significantly underutilized. And what we want to do is come in and create the most value we can for that. And we certainly intend in our joint venture business model to share those additional revenues. And, and those include, number one, the value for the renewable energy and all the, the RFS and LCFS credits that go along with that. The very high, you know, high value organic low carbon fertilizer products, including a essentially pure water-soluble nitrogen that we extract and stabilize. Um, it's essentially the ammonia. We're going to extract it and stabilize it. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to be producing that premium product that leads to premium pricing. And in our joint venture model, everybody from the cow-calf guy to the to the backgrounder to the, the feeder, everybody, everybody wins. I know we talked a little bit in our pre-conversation about a timeline here. We know from the article that this small-scale facility in Indiana is going to be a really quick build and get going really soon to help y'all get some research. But what's the timeline like after that, moving towards a full-scale facility and moving towards more goals for Bion? That's a great question. Um, what we Again, what we intend to do is have the data that we need to move forward with those full-scale facilities by the end of the first quarter. Um, at that point, we will begin the final design. Uh, we have a, an agreement with a project for a project at Ribbon Wire Ranch down in Dalhart, Texas. Uh, that's the one that Bill O'Neill talked about before. We need this data to move forward with that. So let's assume that we are correct and that we have that data by the end of the first quarter. You know, give us a couple, three months to get that project designed, financed, and start moving forward with construction. We're looking to, you know, at about an 18-month construction cycle. So we're looking to have those barns populated by the end of 2024 with uh, a very, very fast ramp to revenues in 2025. Very cool. So, Craig, before I let you go here, Give us just a 10,000-foot view of what the overarching goal of Bion and these technologies is. Well, you know, the industry is changing, Cassidy. There's no question about it. You know, we're not going, we're not disrupting the industry. We're just, we're providing solutions. But at the end of the day, you know, we need, we need technologies that can make the industry more environmentally sustainable, more transparent, and most importantly, more economically sustainable or more profitable. And, and our technology by, you know, stacking these new or expanded revenue streams on top of each other, not only does it pay for that environmental sustainability and that cleanup, but it provides better profitability or more economic sustainability for, from everyone from the cow-calf producer on through the supply chain. It's just, it's that simple. Fantastic. So where can our listeners find more about Bion and how can I track this success and things as, as things move forward with your new facilities? 
Sure. Um, we are, first of all, a publicly traded company. Um, anybody can look up information on us with our, our, our stock trading symbol, which is simple. It's Bob, Nancy, Edward, Tom, or BNAT. Or you can go to our website at, um, H, well, at Bion Enviro, B-I-O-N-E-N-V-I-R-O.com. And we, we keep that website up to date. Um, and obviously we're a fully disclosed publicly traded company. So, you know, we're transparent and anybody that would like to learn more, either from the standpoint of potentially doing business with us or investing in us, that information's all out there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us. We look forward to keeping track with Bion in the future. Thanks for having us, Cassie. Well, there you go, Delaney, a great Veterans Day Ag News Daily Edition. We thank all of our veterans again. Also, for other guests that help us out, remember, have yourself a great weekend. Follow us on all social media channels. But what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.